Hi, this is Liz Graveline. As a doctor of physical therapy, I spent my early 20s refining my intervention skills on treating joint pain, stiffness, and weakness. Now, in my early 30s, as a working mom of two toddlers, it wasn't long ago that I had to rebuild my level of fitness from the ground up. My mission has evolved to not only affect positive change amongst the frequent flyers of Stanford, Connecticut, but amongst the masses. I'll teach you how exercise can be safe and simple while blocking out the noise. On this show, morning routines, posture, joint health, and life longevity are all topics we'll break down for you into digestible bits of information to quickly implement in your day-to-day life. Regardless of whether you are the experienced or novice exerciser, this is a place you can receive actionable steps and strategies to reach you closer and closer to your fitness goals without judgment or the external pressures, bringing back the fun and excitement into an active lifestyle so that's tied into how you feel versus what you look like is what we'll discuss here. So settle in and get ready to be cheered on while you learn. This is the Exercise Proper Podcast. As a quick disclaimer, the information in this episode is for informational purposes only. No material in this episode is intended to substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you are experiencing shoulder pain, seek medical advice with your primary care doctor or orthopedic doctor if you have any questions regarding your shoulder pain. Do not delay seeking medical advice because of the information you've received in this episode. Now back to the show. Today we're talking about the shoulder and how the rotator cuff strength plays an essential role in shoulder joint stability and prevention of rotator cuff pathology. The shoulder is a ball and socket joint. We're talking a shallow socket joint. Imagine what it would take to balance a large scoop of ice cream on an ice cream cone while playing baseball or taking a yoga class. Yeah, (laughs) impossible. So the shoulder relies heavily on its static and dynamic structures to keep it all together. And without one or the other, we're in trouble. The shoulder's static structures include the ligaments of the shoulder, which are just bands of dense connective tissue that you cannot contract and relax like a muscle can. When considering the muscles of the shoulder that dynamically stabilize the joint, there are about a dozen. The prime movers of the shoulder joint, these are the most important muscles to pay attention to, are the deltoid and rotator cuff. The rotator cuff is a term for four muscles, the supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, and subscapularis. The infamous rotator cuff is always a topic of conversation in the clinic because it's a common pain point for people over 40. Risk factors for rotator cuff pathology include work-related overhead activity, level of high exercise activity, whether or not you played overhead sports when you were younger, or increased joint laxity. You would know if you have increased joint laxity if you've always been more flexible than your peers. You may have even experienced shoulder dislocations and subluxations in your past history. Other risk factors for rotator cuff pathology include whether or not you have diabetes, autoimmune conditions, or other comorbidities that disrupt the body's natural healing processes. Without showing you a model of the shoulder joint, it's challenging to visualize proper biomechanics of the shoulder. But what's important to understand here is the rotator cuff's role in shoulder stability and how weakness of the rotator cuff can and will contribute to shoulder impingement, tendonitis, and partial or full thickness tears of the rotator cuff. 
When considering optimal movement of the shoulder, a strong relationship between the rotator cuff and the deltoid is crucial. It's easy to disrupt this relationship because when pushing heavy weights or playing tennis, the deltoid can run all day long, but the rotator cuff will gas out. With repetitive overhead use in rotator rotator cuff weakness, your precious rotator cuff tendons that sit on top of your ball and socket joint get sandwiched in between the bony hood above called the acromion, which is a bony projection extending from your shoulder blade. Rotator cuff pathology, including rotator cuff tendonitis, partial or full thickness tears of the rotator cuff, usually present as a result of repetitive use without trauma preceding the injury. In most cases, patients wake up at with this shoulder pain without the ability to recall any specific cause. Rotator cuff pathology is most commonly a degenerative process. When a patient presents with shoulder pain, stiffness, and rotator cuff weakness, there's a high probability that an underlying subacromial impingement sparked this inflammatory process. A shoulder impingement just means that the tendons of the rotator cuff are sandwiched between the shoulder joint and the bony hood up above causing soft tissue inflammation. When a patient is diagnosed with this shoulder impingement, the patient's history usually involves one or more of the following risk factors, not including general illnesses, such as work-related overhead activity, sedentary lifestyle, poor posture, history of playing sports, high level of exercise activity, and excessive joint laxity. When shoulder impingement occurs, the level of trauma, and we're talking daily microtraumas, over years and years can eventually put you on the spectrum of rotator cuff pathology. And this spectrum left to right involves shoulder impingement, rotator cuff tendonitis, tendinopathy, partial and full thickness tears. It's not my intention to scare you into taking action, but to educate you on the research that's out there on what's likely to happen if you don't pay attention to the smaller players like the rotator cuff while you exercise. Research-based evidence on treatment of rotator cuff pathology is unfortunately not available to the public, and therefore, I wanted to provide you with what's been covered in the literature regarding how rotator cuff conditions are treated and the, ex- the success of non-operative treatment of partial and full thickness rotator cuff tears. The American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeon Board of Directors developed a clinical practice guideline in the management of rotator cuff injuries based on high-quality studies with consistent findings. There is strong evidence in the literature to support that physical therapy or operative management of partial rotator cuff tears results in significant improvement. And we're not talking about only objective measures here, but subjective measures. Patients in these studies reported feeling significant improvement after physical therapy only and after surgical repair. There's also strong evidence in the literature to support that physical therapy results in significant improvement in patients with full rotator cuff tears. However, the full thickness tear may progress over the next 5 to 10 years without operative management. In symptomatic patients with full thickness rotator cuff tears, they'll most likely require surgery eventually. All types of rotator cuff pathology that exist on the spectrum, including shoulder impingement, tendonitis, tendinopathy, partial and full thickness tears, demonstrate significant improvement with non-operative treatment. Meaning if you're experiencing a rotator cuff issue, don't stress. The literature shows the majority of cases can be managed with exercise. The point I'm trying to make here is that the shoulder is complex and we live in a world 
where we are unable to control what's required of our bodies at a, di- at a given time. For example, when you pick up a phone call from a friend while you're in the middle of eating breakfast and she asks, want to go paddle boarding? You say yes, right? Regardless of whether you've been working out consistently for months or your activity level depends on how many cocktails you've consumed before the DJ plays your favorite song, it doesn't matter, right? You're still going to go out, drag that paddle board into the water because it's in your nature to just get up and go, socialize, have fun, depending on any adventurous opportunity that might come your way. However, if your shoulder is not strong enough to paddle for an hour on a whim, Without paying attention to the smaller players in the shoulder, you're more likely to wake up with shoulder soreness as you get older. Another life experience your shoulder may not be prepared for is carrying young children or breastfeeding. While breastfeeding, positioning your arm the same way for long periods of time, multiple times a day, will place stress on the shoulder without leaving you much time for recovery. Because before you know it, your child's hungry again. And believe me, I know the drill. However, if you haven't prepared your body or your shoulder for this phase of life, then you're at a disadvantage compared to other women that have. And listen, it's no one's fault. OBs and midwives, they don't always educate new new mothers on shoulder injury prevention prior to having babies. So whether you hope to avoid delayed onset shoulder soreness after participating in life's most amazing adventures, or you hope to avoid the dread you feel when your little girl reaches up for you saying, mommy up, but your shoulder is just too stiff, too achy. And these situations can be avoided with a little strategy and planning. It's much easier than you think. And I got you covered. Listen, I'm not one to talk myself up, but when it comes to the shoulder, I know what I'm talking about and I'll educate you in a way where you can walk away feeling like the expert. If you don't work out regularly, I got you. You can squeeze these exercises in anywhere before getting out of bed in the morning at your desk at the park while watching Yellowstone on Netflix. I love that show. It makes me want to buy a farm and raise a horse. Well, as long as Rip is my neighbor so he can protect me because let's be real. My husband, Ken, is more of a lover, not a fighter. So I'm here to guide you on exactly how to supplement and modify your workout so that you are targeting the rotator cuff. Here we go. Stay with me. You've made it all this way, but this is the take-home message. The rotator cuff performs three motions. That's it. It's that simple. Imagine your arms are at your sides. The first motion the rotator cuff performs is raising the arm up on a diagonal. And that's it. This motion is called scaption. Now the second motion, imagine your arms down at your sides again. Slowly raise one arm behind your head. Did you pay attention to how your arm rotates to reach the back of your head? This is external rotation. Okay, now bring your arms by your sides again. Here's the third motion. Slowly reach behind your back. Did you notice how your arm rotates to reach behind your back? This is internal rotation. One, two, three. Scaption, external rotation, and internal rotation. To strengthen the rotator cuff, you need to strengthen the shoulder in all three directions with resistance. I'm not going to walk you through specific strengthening exercises since it's tough to describe proper positions and techniques through a computer screen. (laughs) Although I do have a few recommendations while performing any resistance exercise. What makes an exercise a resistance exercise is adding a resistance band, dumbbell, machine, medicine ball, or any other form of resistance or increase your efforts. 
Beginning with the first recommendation, you should be able to maintain proper form while also using a three count during both phases of the resistance exercise. For example, if you're performing a bicep curl, starting with your arm by your side, count to three as you raise your arm towards your shoulder, then count to three as you lower your arm by your side. If you are unable to maintain proper form and count to three, then lower the resistance. And after you lower the resistance, if you are still unable to maintain proper form and count to three, then decrease the number of reps per set. My second recommendation is to set the frequency of your resistance program to greater than twice a week to get you out of that maintenance phase and into a strengthening phase. Ideally, you'd like to plan for a rest day in between your resistance programs. If you are a novice exerciser, and for you, today is your starting line, you should not progress the resistance or level of difficulty until you are able to tolerate a beginner program with one, proper form, and two, proper speed of movement. In case you do experience an acute shoulder injury where you've experienced a noticeable surge in pain within the last 10 days, rest the shoulder, ice the shoulder, grab a golf club or a broom, and raise the arm up and down and to the side and down holding onto the bar so that the uninvolved arm is doing the majority of the work but giving the injured shoulder a gentle stretch and that's all it should be a gentle stretch stop immediately if pain levels reach beyond your pain level at rest and again if you are experiencing shoulder pain seek medical advice with your primary care doctor or orthopedic doctor if you have any questions regarding your shoulder pain do not delay seeking medical advice you do not have to suffer Doctors will generally take an x-ray on your first visit and possibly recommend Tylenol, NSAIDs, these are your Advil, Motrin, Aleve, physical therapy, or a cortisone injection to speed the recovery process along. An MRI is usually recommended only if there's trauma preceding your shoulder pain or if the doctor is considering you may be a candidate for surgery. Ultimately, our body is held together by important ligamentous and muscle tissues. These tissues can and will slowly break down if we are not supplementing our workouts with exercises that are specific to the smaller players that provide our stability to our joints, including the rotator cuff. Strengthening the rotator cuff will develop the shoulder's joints resistance to withstand the daily stress and strain. Think of exercise as an insurance policy for your body or a system management program you develop for your company. When you shift your perspective and you receive this information as a way to take care of you, the knowledge will better serve you. Try not to think about this as another to-do item on your list. Think of it as a motivating factor to not only worry about the health and wellness of others, but your own health and wellness too. Thank you so much for listening in. If you receive some insight and tangible strategies you can use, please subscribe to the Exercise Proper Podcast. Post a screenshot tagging your girl at Liz underscore Graveline. Don't forget to leave a review or if you are looking for other tips and tricks in your health and wellness journey, you can send me an email at lizgraveline at gmail.com. I'd shriek at the sight of your name in my inbox. That would be amazing. See you next time, guys.